So if you haven't uh, caught on yet, <laughs> this month we're kind of focused on missions a little bit, right? And I love that Stosh and Chris um, basically stole my sermon in their announcements <laughs> and uh, kind of already gave a plug for uh, just different opportunities that we have coming up over the summer and over spring break for missions. Um, and so tonight, I'm going to wrap that up a little bit, but I, I felt like we couldn't move on from the topic of that without really catching God's heart for the nations. And I don't necessarily, like, what I really mean when I say the nations is God's heart for all of his people. And we often focus on the nations because, to be honest, guys, where we are, like, America, is pretty reached. Like, yes, absolutely, there are people around us that are lost and don't know Jesus, and we are very much called to live missionally here, where we are, but... Where we grew up, there's a church all over the place, right? Like, I grew up in Oregon, one of the most un unchurched regions of the U.S., and I could still find a church very easily. Like, most of the people around us have at least heard the name of Jesus or have received prayer in their life, or if they have questions about the gospel, they know that, like, one random Christian in their school that they could ask about it, right? Like, we would say America is reached, but we're still called to live missionally, um, God still cares about the people here. He still wants us to uh, be involved in their lives, to share Jesus with them, to, um, yeah, to see them come to know him. But not every country has the same opportunities that we've had here, right? There are millions of people around the world that live in places where they have never heard the name of Jesus, like ever, which is honestly kind of unfathomable for us. They don't know that there's a God that actually loves them, that died for them, and that wants to have a personal relationship with them. And the first time I had ever fully realized that, I was in another country, and we were um, at a food court, and I sat down with this woman, and I was like, hey, this is super weird, but can I eat dinner with you? Because um, we were at the food court, and she's like, sure. Um, and she's from China. And so we're in the Middle East, not typically where you would find a woman from China, but I just had dinner with her and was talking with her. And um, at the end of it, I was like, hey, I know this is probably weird, but um, can I pray for you? And she's like, what? It's like, okay, lost in translation. She probably doesn't know the English word for prayer. And so just kind of explained like, hey, I love God and um, I love talking to God and I believe that he hears me when I talk to him. And so when I meet people sometimes, I uh, just like to, uh, to pray and ask God for a blessing for them and their family. And I like to just ask uh, for him to meet the needs that they may have. Can I do that for you? And she looks at me and she's like, I have never heard of anything like that before, ever. It's like, you, you've never, you don't know what prayer is. She's like, no. And she was probably in her 50s, like she had two teenage kids and I was like, oh my gosh, like there are people around this earth that have no clue that there's a God who hears us, who loves us, who responds to us. Let's take a look at what Paul wrote in Romans 10, 11 through 15 for a moment. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Great news. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So what Paul is writing here is how are people going to know? How are they going to know God and be saved from an eternal death if nobody actually tells them? I think it's pretty safe to say that most of this room has heard of John 3.16 a few hundred times in their life, right? For all, uh, nope, that's not it, for God, (laughs) just kidding. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So good, gospel in one sentence, right? We've heard that a thousand times, but we don't often talk about the verses that come after that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, yea, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he is not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And when I read this verse, what I see is that our default state as humanity is condemnation. That's like pretty bleak news (laughs) if we don't know how to get to eternal life, right? Most of the world does not know that. They have not had someone tell them that there's a God that can save them and he really, really, really loves them. They don't know that they can call upon the name of Jesus and believe in him and find eternal life. And tonight, I want us to fully realize the weight of that. Because if we don't, in all honesty, we're not going to do anything about it. If we don't actually understand that there are people out there that need Jesus, we're not going to do anything. In the next chapter of John, Jesus says to his disciples, Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Um, Usually, when I don't understand what Jesus is talking about, I have a tendency to skip over that. So if that's you, and you're like, what is this verse talking about? There's grace. Um, But what he's quoting there is kind of just this, uh, it was like a common saying back then. And it was speaking to this idea of, guys, we have time. We don't need to rush into anything. We have four months till the harvest. Like, there's no hurry here. And his response is, no, do not have that mentality. Because if you sit around and procrastinate and think we have time, you're not going to do anything. If you look, the harvest is actually ready. What he says is actually, the, uh, what is it, the, the fields are white for harvest. And what that meant is that they were actually kind of past the point of being ready for harvest. Like, they were so ready, it was just like waiting for someone to come and harvest um, the field. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, if you pay attention, this earth has a harvest that is ready. Jesus knew that most of us would probably not do something unless we actually felt the urgency of the situation. And so he's pointing out that if we pay attention, there's people that are ready to hear about him all around us. How are they going to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Have you guys ever thought about why in the world God gave us the main responsibility of telling the whole world about him and demonstrating to them his love? Like, God the all-powerful God of the universe 
who can do anything that he wants, doesn't actually need us at all. But he really, really, really loves us. And he loves when we get to do things for him and with him. He doesn't need us, you guys, but he does want us to participate in this with him. He invites us to partner with him to see the nations of the earth reached. And that invitation isn't just for a select few. It's not for the ones that are automatically um, bent with an evangelism mindset. It's not towards the ones, um, it's not just for the ones that have kind of grown up in a missional life or just for the ones that happen to speak another language or just have that right personality, you know? It's for every follower of Jesus. It doesn't matter what your church background is, doesn't matter um, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, if you love the nations, if you don't like naturally love the nations, it's for all of us. And I'm up here saying this because I am uh, not typically the person that would love that. Um, actually, for the first like 20 years of my life, I was about as far from believing that as you could get. As a kid, I remember there was actually, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I remember this, but I think it was like the second prayer I'd ever prayed. And I was like, God, please don't ever make me be a missionary in another country one day. I was like five or six, like was very genuine in this. <laughs> like really did not want to leave the country, really was like that whole, it just doesn't sound fun. And so when I got to college, I started going to Antioch and immediately got dragged to this uh, missions conference called World Mandate and then got invited on all these missions trips. I was like, guys, seriously, it's going to be a no for me. And I threw out like every excuse, okay? Like, I have plans. It's too expensive. That country is probably dangerous, even though I don't know where it is. I don't know anyone going on these trips. I don't really want to, just honestly. I think the second time they asked me, I was like, maybe next time I will consider praying about it. Like, honestly, I just was not, it was like, missions is not my thing. I'm just going to be really honest with you. My sophomore year of college, next year, um, I get back to school, and I was not super up to date on current events. Like, I never really knew what was happening in the world. Um, but I started to hear phrases like, the biggest humanitarian crisis since World War II. And I was like, I should probably pay attention to that. And there was this war that had been going on in Syria, and to be honest, I still don't fully know what happened, but basically it had escalated, and there were millions of, millions of people uh, fleeing their country because it was unsafe and going into different parts of mostly Europe. There were some other nations, I think, too, but they were mostly flooding into Europe. And something that I love about our Antioch movement is that even if we have no idea what we're doing, um, if there's a need somewhere, we'll run to it and figure it out when we get there. So that's what we did. Um, as the Antioch movement, we said we have to respond. There's an urgency here. There's a window of opportunity for us to step into and, and meet people's practical needs and share with them the love of Jesus. Like, we have to do something. And so they created something called Engage the Crisis, where they would go and set up bases throughout these major cities in Europe where um, there was a high intake of these Syrian refugees, and they would send teams of people from local churches here to go to serve them, to love them, to pray with them and share the gospel with them. 
And Antioch Phoenix said, okay, great, we're gonna send, uh, we're kind of gonna adopt the base in Germany, in Berlin, and so we'll just send all of our people there, everyone that wants to go. And so several of my friends decided to go and spend the, um, their summer at that base doing whatever they could to just demonstrate the love of Jesus, go them, that's awesome. I was like, I don't get it. Like, honestly, I pulled one of my friends aside and I was like, please help me figure this out because it doesn't make sense to me why 20-year-olds would give up their summer, give up their summer jobs, um, for, like raise thousands of dollars, fly to another side of the world just to help these people that they don't know. I don't get it. Guys, God really is good and transforms people. It's awesome. And so I shared this frustration and confusion with one of my friends, and she was like, okay, well, pray about it. There's no, like, specific, like, pray about should you go, pray about how wrong you are, like, just pray about it. Like, okay, not really the answer I was looking for, thanks. Um... But I spent the, the next few months kind of praying off and on, like, okay, God, I still don't get it. But would you at least help me understand? Like, in any way possible, just help me figure this out. And what happened was God really started to show me his heart for people. Uh, that next semester, I ended up going on a missions trip to Tijuana over spring break. And this... <laughs> The second day that we were there, um, we're in this time of worship, and we're singing the song, Have It All, it had just been released, it was like our anthem for the week, you know, and um, I was listening to the lyrics, and they say, you can have it all, Lord, every part of my world, take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours, and I'm like singing this and getting super like convicted at the same time, um, because I didn't actually mean the words that I was singing, you know? Like, there were definitely parts of me that I was like, I don't really want to give God that. And so as we're singing, I'm like getting convicted, and I feel like God is inviting me into this place of just like, hey, just actually mean it. Like, <laughs> actually give me everything. And so I'm like, okay, God, you can have all my comfort. You can have all of my dreams all my expectations, all my security. And so I actually started going through just different areas of my life, and I was like, okay, God, I give you my friends, and I give you my family. I give you my car, my summer job, you know, the things that are important to a sophomore in college. And um, as I was doing that, like, my heart was, was doing something different than it had been done before. And I got this, just this strong impression that I should actually probably go on the Engage the Crisis trip to Germany. And for whatever reason at the time, guys, like, if you had asked me what, what are, like, the bottom five places in the world you would want to go, there was no solid reasoning for this at all, but Germany would have been on that list. And so I'm like, oh, that in and of itself feels like a sacrifice. Like, I don't want to do that. But it was, I mean, it was like, I know what God is asking of me. And so he was so clear, like, this was not the audible voice of God, but like, you know, as close as I was probably going to get. And he said, well, yeah, if you don't want to go, if you're not willing, you don't have to. I was like, oh, shoot. 
That means I have, I have to be the one to decide. Like, it's one thing when God tells you to do something and you're like, man, if I don't do this, it's direct disobedience, right? And we, like, that's bad. We know that's sin. But when he gives you the option, like, that's kind of a different story. He's like, if you don't want to go, you don't have to. But it was an invitation from the Lord. And I had no idea what saying yes to that invitation would mean. But I kind of thought about it for like a minute, and I realized that if this was something that God was inviting me to be a part of, me who did not want to go to Germany, me who did not want to do missions, <laughs> like me who did, really did not want to give up anything in my life, if he was inviting me to be a part of this, if I said no, I would probably be missing out on something really good. I was like, oh, okay, I'll go. So, I really believe that God has invitations like this all the time for us. I think there are places in our daily lives that he just gives us an invitation. How often do we miss those invitations? And the beautiful thing is he gives us the choice to partner with him in seeing the world reached. And what I've seen over and over and over again throughout the years is that if we don't take him, up, take him up on that invitation, we don't actually gain anything. Like, there's nothing that we gain by saying, nope, I'm good. We might, might preserve our reputation. We might preserve our comfort zone. But ultimately, there's nothing that we actually gain by rejecting that offer. If we do take him up on it, you guys, there is no limit to the things that he gives us in return. And that's not the point. Like, the point isn't to get things from God. The point is to step into what he's inviting us into. But he is so kind in the fact that in that, he also blesses us. I have so many testimonies and ways that I have experienced God that I never would have here because of those yeses. So I ended up going to Germany for two weeks. The whole all summer thing didn't work out, but I went for two weeks. And I would still to this day say that those were two of the most impactful weeks of my whole life. Honestly, like I have so many reasons. Um, way too long for tonight. And after I got back, I like couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, man, really should have gone for the whole summer. So I was like, okay, next summer's gonna come back around. There, there's like nothing that is going to stop me from actually going for three months this time. And so I did. I, the next summer, I spent three months in Tijuana, which was quite the adventure. And then a few years after that, I ended up going to uh, the Middle East for a summer, which also was an adventure. And all of those were places that I never saw myself going to, much less living in. I had conversations with people that I never would have imagined only because out of the kindness of God. Because he invited me to participate in what he was already doing in those other countries. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced that he would have still done the same things, honestly, whether or not I was there. Like, he's fully capable of accomplishing the same purposes and plans that he has for those people and in those countries, whether or not I show up. But the sweet thing is, is that he invites us into the process. 
He didn't need me at all. But in it, he absolutely transformed me. Every time he has invited me to participate in something with him, I have never regretted it, and I have never been the same. And I believe that a huge part of that, or at least a very significant part of that transformation, comes from us learning how to surrender to God in the process. As followers of Jesus, we're called to live lives surrendered to him. Luke 8.24 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And if we try to hold on to everything in our lives, like if we cling to the things that we currently have with like tight fists, like it's like this, okay? Holding tightly to the things in my life. We are holding on to temporary things that will one day disappear. Like these are gonna be gone one day. And in the meantime, we don't have the ability to actually receive anything from God. Like, sorry, my plate's full. I got a lot of stuff here. I'm not really willing to give it up. But when we release and say, okay, God, you can have it all. What he gives us is so much better. When we surrender to him, we get a front row seat to see his kingdom come to earth. The, it wouldn't be a sermon without like a dictionary definition, right? So the dictionary definition of surrender means giving oneself up into the power of another. We can just replace that with God, okay? Giving ourselves up into the power of God. When we release and surrender our lives, we're acknowledging the authority that God already has over them. Does that make sense? Every journey that I've taken with the Lord has required, honestly, a lot of surrender. Every time. Sometimes it requires surrendering our reputation. And sometimes it's surrendering us being understood. Like, I could not tell you how many conversations I've had with people close to me where they do not understand why I do the things that I do. Sometimes it's surrendering our finances and our comfortability. Those things are real. Like, it's sacrifice, for sure. But when we surrender everything to God, we gain everything in him. What he gives is far more lasting than the things we give up. A few years ago, I was asked, um, so we were sending a, a college team to the Middle East for the summer, and they asked me to lead it, and I was like, you guys, I'm not even planning on going. <laughs> like, what? Um, so it kind of came out of nowhere, had zero desire to go to the Middle East, much less go for three months. And, like, even just with logistics of my life, like, the timing of it didn't make sense. It was not practical. I'm a very practical person, so that was frustrating. <laughs> But as soon as um, they'd asked me, it was a very clear, from the Lord, you're doing this. I was like, nice, okay. So <laughs> I told them, I said, so I know I'm going to say yes, but can I just have like, like 48 hours to pray about it? Like, I know what my answer is going to be. Just let me get there first, okay? So the next day, I was spending time with Jesus, and I was just trying to wrap my head around like what all that would mean and pray about it. And... Um, and I just felt like God said, count the costs. And that comes from uh, Luke 14, 28, where Jesus is explaining to his disciples 
what the costs of following him are. Like the title of that passage in there is the cost of discipleship. And he said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost and whether he has enough to complete it? There's like this principle there of um, when we say yes to something, we got to make sure we can actually follow through on it, right? Like we got to know what it's going to cost us before we get started. And I think Jesus is calling us out in this and saying, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you. And you better know what you're getting into before you say yes. There is guaranteed sacrifice when we follow Jesus. But when we count the cost of it and we still say yes, we're acknowledging I know what it's going to take and you're worth it anyways. So I'm spending time with Jesus and he says, count the cost. And so I pull out a piece of paper and I, I just start writing down like everything I could think of that it felt like it would cost me. Every sacrifice that I can think of. So time, money, relationships, missed opportunities, weddings that I had been invited to, emotional sacrifices, like you name it, I was like, it's on here. And at the end, I had a full page of things that I was going to give up, surrender, in order to actually say yes to what I felt like God was asking me to do. And when I looked at it, I said, okay, obedience to the Lord is worth all of it. And so I folded that up, put it in the back of my journal, and every time I was tired or discouraged or honestly just was like, why am I doing this again? I would pull out that page and would look at everything that I knew it would cost me and say, okay, God, you're worth it. And so while I was in the Middle East, there we would do a lot of um, outreach in malls because, big surprise, it's a desert and we were there in the summer, so it was like 110 degrees all the time, plus humidity, it was gross. So we would stay in air conditioning as much as possible. And so we're wandering around this mall and um, ended up in this dress shop. And so my friend and I walk in and we're the only two people in the whole place other than the woman who worked there. And so it wouldn't be as awkward. We like pretend to look at the dresses and be interested in them for 10 minutes or whatever. And then we're like, hey, so how's it going? We love Jesus. You know, it was still awkward. Um, and so we're, like, talking with this woman and did the whole, you know, we love Jesus. Can we pray for you? And um, she's like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, Great. What can we pray for? And she tells us that she has this jaw pain. And so we're like, yeah, we can pray for that. So we do. And sometimes in those prayers, God moves in power and healing, and it's awesome. And sometimes he doesn't. Um, and he's still good, and it's wonderful. Um, it's just not that moment. And thankfully, this was one of the times where he did. And so, you know, we talk with her after, and she's like, oh, my gosh, it feels so much better. We're like, great, see ya. Just kidding. Not quite like that. But, but it was basically like, great, and like, whatever. And so she starts, like, weeping. And we're like, okay, not the response we were expecting. So she, like, sobbing to the point where we had to take her to the back and, like, sit down with her. We're like, oh, my gosh, this is really not what we were expecting. And um, we're like, well, do you need prayer for anything else? Like, we don't really know what to do here. And she tells us that she has been in this city for a few years. 
Um, she was originally from, I think it was Cameroon, which is a country in Africa. And she'd been sent here by God to reach the people of that city. But she'd become so discouraged over the last few years because she was the only Christian that she knew. And so eventually she just kind of stopped sharing the gospel. I was like, man, that would be, that would be rough to be the only Christian that you knew in a city that you don't live in. Yeah, I would probably be discouraged too. And she is like still crying, but she tells us enough to say, God has sent you here to remind me why I'm here and to encourage me to keep going. And I was like, man. So we left that night, and I, I was just thinking about that interaction. And I was like, if every cost and if every sacrifice was so that we could get on a plane and fly a ridiculous amount of hours to the Middle East to meet this woman and to remind her that she is seen and known and loved by God and has a purpose in the city to reach people for him, totally worth it. Absolutely worth it. Would do it again. And the only reason I share that is to show that it doesn't matter how great the cost is. God meets us in it every single time. Like everything that we give him, he gives us back so much more. In my own nature, like me of myself, would not have done any of that for sure. But the more surrendered we live, the more space that we give God to transform our lives. It's just like, like there's principles of God's kingdom that just don't really make sense on earth, and that's one of them. When we surrender things to him, we give him more space to move and to transform our hearts. Every yes that we give him leads to deeper intimacy with him. Every sacrifice on his behalf teaches us to look more like him. So he invites us to carry his heart for the nations, and he invites us to get there through lives that are surrendered to him. And one more invitation that I felt like he had for us tonight, as we catch a little bit more of his heart, was to pray. When you don't know what else to do, prayer is a great place to start, just as a general rule of thumb for life. 1 John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So according to 1 John 5, we can be confident that when we pray his will, he hears us. That's great. If you've ever been like, I don't know if God's really listening, good news. He probably is because we pray his will. And we don't even have to guess what his will is. He tells us so many times in scripture. It's awesome. A couple that um, I'm going to read. So Matthew 9, 38, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord, of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. So he brings our attention back to the the idea of the harvest, right? And the need that there is there. And he says, if you want to do something, pray for people to go. It's a great place to start. And we know it's in his will, so he's probably going to do it. First Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says, I urge that supplications, which is a big word for asking God for things, prayers, intercessions, which is prayers on behalf of other people, and thanksgivings be made for all people. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we already know that God cares about all people being saved and coming to know his truth, right? So all prayers 
all supplications, intercessions, thanksgiving for all people. That's what you can pray for, all people. It's great. So if you don't know how to start praying, just start praying out scripture. Prayer connects us to God's heart, and when we pray, we start to care about the things that he cares about. As a church, we often say, we actually have it on our wall in the lobby, that we are a church that is passionate about Jesus and his purposes in the earth. We care about the things that God cares about. And once we truly see his heart and understand it for something, we cannot do nothing and we cannot stay the same. So, there's a few things tonight that we can do to actually respond to this. The first one is obviously to pray. If you're like 20-year-old me and you um, currently do not have God's heart for the nations, maybe you just need to start with the God, I don't get it but help me understand prayer. It's a great place to start. There's nothing wrong with that. Speaking from experience. Or maybe you're on the other end and you actually already feel like a pull to the nations. Like you're like, I, Malia, I didn't need to hear this tonight. I already know I'm like going one day, like we're going. Don't worry, I'm covered. So the cool thing about college is that it's wonderful and frustrating at the same time because you can kind of do anything but like nothing. You know what I mean? So if you already feel that pull towards the nations and you're like, ah, but I have to finish school or like I have to pay off my student loans first or whatever it is, um, the good news is that you still have the opportunity to carry that specific nation or just nations as a whole that God has put on your heart through prayer. Prayer is powerful, and it does not mean that you're not doing anything. Like, there's actually very sig- something very significant about praying for those places. It gives you more of God's heart for them, and it moves in those nations. Like, our prayers have impact. So maybe, as a response tonight, you just need to commit to praying a certain number of times or a certain amount of time in your week. And it doesn't, I'm not trying to like tell you to do anything, like there's no legalism in this, but maybe you do need to carry more intentionally that place in your heart in prayer. So you can grab a friend, you can do it by yourself, set aside a time in your schedule, whatever it is. Um, But I would challenge you that if that's you, just spend some time consistently in prayer for that. The second thing tonight that you could do Um, is to give to someone that has already been sent out to the nations. There are incredible people that are already working overseas to see nations reached with the gospel, and they almost always need monthly supporters, just to be honest. Like, I'm not one of them, so this is not a plug. Like, okay, please give me your money. Like, this is just, this is like how God moves, honestly, is through the church. And so a really practical way to respond is to just, Say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give towards missionaries. And I would say, especially if you have a hard time surrendering financial stability to the Lord, this is a good place to start. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if we send our treasure to the nations, it's really easy for our heart to follow. So if you're like, that's awesome, I don't know any missionaries, that's fine. We can help you figure that out. Just talk to someone on college staff, really anyone, but we can help get you some people. 
The last thing that we can do tonight in response is to sign up to go. Um, Again, this is not like committing your life to anything, but we have opportunities over spring break for GCU and ASU, for both GCU and ASU's spring breaks to go and share the love of Jesus with people. And so if you're like, okay, I still don't know about all of this, but I'm interested in that, that's awesome. There's an interest form on the laptop in the lobby. So after this, you can just like sprint out there. Or we're also gonna be going on some short-term trips this summer, maybe some longer-term trips, still working on the details. Um, But if you just want information on that, there's a QR code that you can scan that will sign you up for a monthly newsletter that will get you those details. Um, If you have already signed up at World Mandate or Fall Retreat, you don't need to do that again. But really practically, I would say start talking with your parents about what it would take for you to actually get there. Like, start those conversations with your parents now. It'll just make your life easier in the long run. Maybe not in the short run, but in the long run. I would say start picking up extra shifts or babysitting jobs to help with the fundraising process. And I would say if you're really serious, come to our info meeting after our next Awaken, okay? So if you missed it in the beginning, um, after our final Awaken December 2nd, we're gonna be doing an info meeting for short-term trips and basically just how to get there, how to fundraise, what that looks like. And so I would say prioritize that. These are really practical things that you guys can do to respond. And finally, if you, if you don't, like if you're in this room and you don't know what God's heart is for you, if you don't actually know how much he loves you or that he died for you or that he has plans and purposes for your life, please come talk to someone on the ministry team. We would love to tell you what it means to follow Jesus. Before we jump into response tonight, I'm just gonna take like a minute or two and actually ask the Lord how he wants us to respond. It will probably look different for most of this room. It's great. God is very personal. He loves telling you specifically the ways that you need to respond. So that may seem like something really obvious, like your obedience point or your response tonight might be like, no, duh, I know what I'm supposed to do. That's awesome. Um, If you don't know, if there was something that um, you feel like God's putting on your heart and you're like, ah, my heart's beating really fast. I don't know what to do about this. That is probably also the Lord. Sometimes he speaks through that and it's terrifying. And maybe it's just a really strong impression on your heart or a thought that you had and you're like, I've never thought that before. or That doesn't really feel like it actually came from me. All of these are ways that God can speak to us and capture our attention and say, hey, here's what I want you to do with this. And so my challenge would be, after we just wait on God for a moment, my challenge would be that when he says to do something, tell at least one other person in this room. It can be your friend, it can be this person sitting next to you, it can be the ministry team, but I think there is something powerful um, in knowing that someone else knows what we're supposed to do. Like there's some level of accountability in that, even if they like never follow up with you, you're like, shoot, every time I see that person, they know what I told them about what I was gonna do. So just tell someone. And if you guys just need prayer for anything else that's going on in your life, our ministry team will be up here. Um, Even if it is not related to God's heart for the nations, we love you. We wanna be um, in the messiness of life with you. So come and receive prayer.
we're just gonna take one minute to just ask the Lord. And you can keep asking him during worship, um, but I just wanna stay here for a minute together. that are surrendered to you fully and completely. So God, whatever it is that you are asking of us tonight, Lord, I pray for um, the strength and the courage to actually follow through on it. Lord, I pray that if we forget, you are faithful to remind us, and I thank you that, um, that you will do that. But Jesus, ultimately, we just want more of your heart. God, we want to know what your heart is for the people next door to us. We want to know what your heart is for our classmates, for our family and for the people on the other side of the world that we haven't met yet. So Jesus, would you pour it out on us tonight? Would you pour out more of your spirit? Would you pour out um, just your love on us? God, that, that we would be moved to compassion the ways that you were. Father, we thank you. 